Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Post Game Pints Podcast. My name is Mitch Gallo with Sean Campbell, and uh, we are at episode 110, and very happy to be brought to you by LeBrosse. In fact, this week, or this weekend, we have a new beer being launched. It is the Post Game Pints beer, and if you've tasted our other beers before, uh, you know they can be strong. Campbell's had a couple IPAs out there. You know, I had my coffee uh, brew as well. But these are perfect for drinking after you play sports. A little bit lighter, tinge of lime, perfect for the summer, nice and cold. When you're off the ice, you'll want to crack one of those post-game pint beers. Yeah, I think that's what we called it post-game pint because that's exactly what we were going for and that's what we like to do after a good hard work like you know you work uh 20 25 minutes hard on a post-game uh you know uh, pints podcast you still need a pint anyways afterwards so it's the perfect beer for that so looking forward uh to that launch check it out 133 labrosse a proud sponsor of the post-game pints podcast and uh we're really excited for this next one and i hope you are too uh if you support us support them that's how it works and then it all comes around full circle because we support you when you comment below and you like us and you follow us what's it youtube spotify soundcloud itunes I mean, the list goes on and on. Did I miss it? Did I miss anything, Gallo? I think that's everywhere uh, we are currently posted. But hey, if there's a platform that we are not on and you want to hear us on that platform, you let us know and we'll make it happen. Yeah, that's what Trent and Dewey Entertainment does out there. That's that's what they do. They make sure that everything gets done. Uh, you want to jump right into our rapid fire? And you know, it's been a while. The Montreal Canadiens season has come to an end, just like the Florida Panthers season has come to an end. That's why I'm wearing this hat today. Um, but I kind of want to touch on a couple topics with the Canadians before we get into some random sports slots. Would you like to start with the Canadians? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. All right. Uh, in the last three weeks since the Canadians won the draft lottery and are going to be drafting first overall, has your mind changed? Like it seems so many people on social media saying that don't take Shane Wright. It was, as time goes on, people want to downplay Shane Wright being the first overall pick for the Canadians. They want to start looking elsewhere. They want to start looking at maybe Slavkovsky, who's having another great tournament as a teenager before he gets drafted. Has anything altered your perspective heading into the draft July 7th in Montreal, Mitch? Absolutely not. It's only been a couple weeks since the Canadians had won the draft lottery. And look, I'll tell you, 99% of the people that you're talking about have never really watched either play. Yeah, they've seen maybe Slavkovsky play at the World Championships right now. How many games is that? Yes, they've watched uh, Shane Wright play at the World Junior Championship. That was two games. I think people really overreact. Uh, I'm, I'm going to let the scouts do their job, and they have uh, Wright ranked number one. So I'm going to stick with number one. Look, the Canadian scouts might see it differently. I don't think they will. They might. And if that's the case, sure, go ahead and uh, take Slavkowski. But don't mess up. Don't mess up that pick. I think, Sean... Um, you know, covering all the drafts that I have, people get caught up way too much with size at times. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm not. I'm also saying it shouldn't be a determining factor in anything. You know, I know you want to talk about Yoel Armia and what you've seen at the World Championships. That's a great example. I mean, Armia is a big guy. Doesn't mean he plays big. 
Uh, I'm going to bring up uh, Eric Goodbranson during random sports thoughts. He's a guy who went third overall because of the fact that he was big and robust. I just think you can make a lot of mistakes when you take a player solely uh, because he has size. And look, Sulkowski, he's, he's having a good tournament. He's putting up points. He's playing on a team that's uh, not exactly stacked. He's doing it at 18 years old. I'm not saying he's not going to be a good player. I'm just saying it wouldn't be my determining factor, a small sample of this tournament and the Olympic Games. What I will tell you is that if I'm the Montreal Canadiens, I know that Tom Fitzgerald has said that he would be open and willing to trade that draft pick. I don't know if the Canadians have the ammunition to get a trade like that done, but I'd be on the phone because, hey, you know, all those years ago, Brian Burke was able to mess around with uh, with trades at the draft and get the second and third pick and get to both um, the Sedins. How about instead of arguing if the Canadians should take Wright or Slavkowski, they make a trade with New Jersey, they get the second pick, and they draft Wright and Slavkowski. You got to think about it, too. They do have four first-round picks in the next two years. And the two next year in the bigger draft uh, or the deeper draft or the one with the Connor Bedard draft, they actually have two unprotected like lottery picks. They have the Florida Panthers pick. And I'm not saying that Florida's going to dip, but... We don't know what kind of changes they're going to go through with after um, uh, that uh, blowout against Tampa Bay. And just, you know, about evaluating and, and changing your mind and flip-flopping as a recreational draft fan. And I'm with you, Mitch. You and I have been covering the draft for ages. Between the two of us, we've been at every draft in the last 14 years. I've missed one. Yeah, and I went. And then you, but you were in studio, right? Like we, what I mean is we've covered it together. You've been on location for every single one. We went to Chicago together, Buffalo together, cover the one in Montreal together. Like, I, I know you've been to Philadelphia, Dallas, all those cities, right? You've been on the draft floor. I've been on the draft floor. We get prepared for the draft. You and I love covering the draft. It's fun. But I do rely on the scouts. I'm not a scout. But what I will do, and this is where I can see where this hype gets, you know, and people get excited. And Mitch, we've spoken about it. I'll go do my own research. I'll go watch, and I'm not going to be scouting these guys, but I'll go watch some highlight reels. Then I get caught up on a guy. And I remember there are certain players that we were talking about early in the first round that maybe was a first or a second or a fifth. And I was like, man, I really like that. I saw this highlight. And I told you on the air, I was like, I, I saw this highlight reel that I liked. And one was Tim Stutzla. I remember talking to you at draft. I was like, I really liked what I saw from this guy. Andre Svechnikov, when I was trying to make that case for him to maybe go first overall. Because I just, everything uh, that I saw uh, with him. And the other one was more Sider, the defenseman who likely will win Rookie of the Year. And I'm not saying that I'm right or wrong with where they were drafted. My point is you can get caught on one player just by where, watching their highlights, thinking that they should go higher than they, than they, than they should. Just by, because you're watching a highlight reel that's meant to amplify their abilities. You're not watching a 60-minute game. So that's why I think you have to be careful. But we have those conversations all the time. But when I look at the scouting and I read the, you know, the the little black book or you know, Redline Report, or if we we talk to uh, Shane Malloy, who's you know been pro hockey prospects or whoever we want to talk to, your own sources, you make your decisions after that. But then here's the thing, Mitch, we can have our decisions. Our decisions mean nothing. It's still the team that will make theirs, and they're not you know flipping through draft magazines. They're relying on their scouting staff. 
So I think that when push comes to shove, nothing's going to change. Shane Wright's going to Montreal. I think so. Look, um, you also have to look at, I always say don't draft by position, but mm. don't pass on a center. If the center is in the top spot, don't pass on the center. I mean, that that is a recipe uh, for disaster to me. And I think... I think the know, word is don't overthink this. Don't Yeah, don't overthink it. I just, I, I think that if you take Shane Wright and Slavkowski uh, turns out to be the better player, that's one thing. But if you take Slavkowski and Wright becomes the better player, then you're in a lot, you're in a world of hurt. All right. Uh, a couple things. World Hockey Championships happening. Uh, Josh Anderson looking pretty good for Team Canada and other Montreal Canadians out there. I saw Yoel Armia. When you see, and I'm just seeing highlights from Armia. And this is, you know, pulling Armia things that when he's on his game, you go, wow, how can you stop this guy? When I see that, when you see someone perform at the World Hockey Championships that didn't perform for the Canadians this year, does it make you think, okay, maybe be a little bit more patient with this player? Maybe just wait and see if he's going to be able to bounce back next year. Okay. An example is our, an Armia. Yeah, I mean, sure. Sure, I think, uh, you know, you could have players that have down years. You could have players that are in... Um not the most ideal of situations. And maybe that was the case with, uh, with Armia. I'm going to stick by the fact that I, I never liked that contract. And you know that Sean. And I think Armia leaves a lot to be desired at times, but I think he's a good player and I think he could bounce back. I just think that the scenario has to be right for him uh, in Montreal to do so. He's always played very well for team Finland, been a good international player for them. So look, I take it with a grain of salt. But I do think that um, it's encouraging to see him playing well. Uh, Josh Anderson didn't know he had that kind of playmaking ability, Sean. No, we've never seen it. We've never seen that. He's he's usually like a Cy Young Award winning pitcher, you know, going uh, 20 and four or something like that. And now all of a sudden we see uh, we see all the assists on the board at this tournament. Uh, It goes to show you what playing with good players will do uh, for a player. Um, But you know what, Anderson, uh, I'm, I'm glad to see him doing well for Canada and that big ice with a straight line player, it could be very beneficial. I, I just hope for Anderson, he's able to take that into next year. He, he has a big contract with the Canadians. And Mitch, I've pretty much determined that he's a 25-15 guy, 25 goals, 15 assists, 40 points. That's fine. But a $5.5 million, you may want a little bit more offense. And when you don't get that offense, make sure you're doing the things that he does when he has the zero goals and zero assist games. And I think that you're starting to see some of those little things at the international level. Can he bring it to the Canadians next year? Uh, One more thing. Are you worried? Martin St. Louis, then still no announcement here about being the head coach next year. Is this? Yeah. No, we're good. I don't really care. Okay. I mean, uh, just bringing it up. Just bringing it up. Ken Hughes is uh, over in Finland at the World Hockey Championships. I think, you know, scouting and, and making sure they have the prospects ranked in the right spots is on uh, much higher on the priority list than, say, signing Martin St. Louis to his, uh, his contract. Look, I think this is pretty much a done deal. And, you know, sometimes these things uh, take time. You look at the situation with the Vancouver Canucks and Bruce Boudreaux, right? It looked like. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there was some negotiating that had to, to go on there. And finally, they they come to terms on a deal. As you know, I, I wonder what the contract is going to look like in the end. I want, I want to know what kind of money St. Louis is looking for, what the term is uh, on this contract. Um, and it, it's a bit of a unique uh, situation 
but someone who was very popular when he came in, seemed to be very liked by the players. But in the end, you look at the results and they weren't dramatically uh, different record-wise. I know, I know, you know, the goals for and the blowouts is one thing, but record-wise, uh, not a whole lot of difference when he came in. So, you know, what is that equal to on a contract and, and, and the term and, and, and the money dollar value on it? Uh, I that's, think you're that's thinking, to to see. yeah, sorry, Mitch. Uh, I think you're thinking uh, three years. He's, he's a rookie head coach, no experience. I'd be shocked if he hit 3 million, but he also has the name and the market will drive up that price. Martin St. Louis, the Montreal Canadiens, maybe it is going to be 3 mil because we know that right now, a guy like Barry Trotz, who is one of the all-time leaders and wins as a head coach, he's looking for a job, he's interviewing, and he's going to get $6 million because he's Barry Trotz. Martin St. Louis does not have remotely even close to the amount of wins that he has or the pedigree that he has as a head coach. He still has to develop that. So, I, I, but maybe he knows that the Canadians are only looking at him so he can drive that price up. I, I think $3 million is the, the top end here. I would I would expect probably something between two and three. That's my, that's my guess. Uh, one last one. Caden Primo in the AHL, Mitch. This is good news for Canadians fans, I think. After a real rough season, looks like he's turned a corner, at least at the AHL level. Well, you know what? You look at the uh, numbers with the uh, Montreal Canadiens, uh, one seven and one, and uh, it was it was tough sledding at times. And now in the uh, playoffs with the uh, Laval Rocket, uh, a record of uh, five and one. You know, I think he's only let up two goals in a uh, hundred and two shots face or something like that. Uh, the, the the save percentage, the the goals allowed, and he's winning. I think uh, playoff success is is huge. You know I'm not the biggest believer in him as a prospect, Sean, but if you're a fan, you have to be encouraged by the way he played considering how difficult the regular season was. I think you got to be encouraged just because um, he's, he's taken a hit on the chin, right? He was drafted in the seventh round, so there was no big pedigree coming in. But then that grew when he went to Northeastern and then when he played the World Junior Hockey Championship for Team USA. Then, then everyone's thinking, oh, He's the heir apparent. And then, then the way that Mark Bergevin set up the contracts from Jake Allen to Carey Price, it was set up where Caden Primo would come in just as Carey Price's contract was coming out and Jake Allen was done. And then he would share the net with Price and then take over. It was this long plan that they had in place. Last year, he got thrown to the Wolves. Mentally wasn't ready. Physically wasn't ready. The Canadians weren't ready. Montembeau wasn't ready. And it was a disaster. That hits you hard then you actually get hit at the beginning of the playoffs after you were the best goalie in the ahl last year you never had any playoffs this year your numbers were good in the ahl and then when the playoffs start they go to veteran kevin poulain that hits you too but then when he got the opportunity he's taken in and ran with it to me that's a mental move and that means he's growing he's preparing and he can handle adversity now Will he be a great goalie at the NHL level? Still lots of time. I still think he needs another year in the AHL, Mitch. But a good playoff run can go a long way. All right. You want to get to uh, some random sports thoughts? Yes. Do you want some music? Love some music, please. All right. You have to give me a second. I have to figure out how to do this music thing again. You've done it before. I know. I know. I just... I like this one, I think. I think this is the one I like. There you go. Yeah. 
Is that a good level for you? Perfect. Okay. Uh, random sports slots. Uh, feel free to send your random sports slots to Sean R. Campbell, Mitch Y. Gallo at Post Game Pints. We're on Instagram, Facebook, the Twitter machine. I have my first uh, random sports slot. Mike Smith of the Edmonton Oilers looks like an e-bug. An emergency backup goalie. Even with his equipment, he looks like because most of those guys are in their 40s or in their late 30s. Every shot. When you have an emergency goalie, this is, we've seen it a couple times, right, Mitch? When an emergency backup goalie comes in and some Zamboni driver, every single shot that comes from the point, and if it's your team that has a goalie, you're flinching. You're like, oh my God, they're going to score because you don't think he can make the save. That is the reaction I have when I watch Mike Smith. I think he's the e-bug. He's an emergency backup goalie. <laughs> My middle was on the music. <laughs> yeah, I was just fixing that. Yeah, it, it, it picked up it, a bit there. I found myself listening to the music more than you. Uh, um, no, you a little harsh, a little harsh on uh, on on your side there, Sean. He's been totally. playing well. That's fine. And I mean, we know that the long goal that came in. And, you know, I like to call him Flinchy McFlitcherson. Uh, but at the same time, he, he does not instill confident. If you were an Oilers fan, are you confident watching him in goal? No, definitely not. Okay. But I don't think he looks like David Ayers either. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a little slimmer. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> um, you know what? Uh, my first random sports thought is about Henry, uh, Henrik Lundqvist, about uh, Mike Smith. Because, Sean, I think he is the biggest diver among goalies since Henrik Lundqvist. I hate floppers. I already don't like goalies. You know that? Yeah. Remember? Uh, I don't remember what the soundbite was from, but it was uh, it was myself at one of the Habs games saying, down with goaltenders. Not a fan of goaltenders. And Mike Smith makes it even harder to like that breed. I don't like goalies. And I hate floppers. And Mike Smith is right at the top of the list right now with floppers in the NHL. Stay on your skates. You know who's uh, who flopped a lot? Uh, Senators. Craig Hold Anderson. Back. Anderson. Yes, yes, yes. Anderson. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, he was right he up was, there. He, he flopped. Um, yeah, he was a flopper. Um, yeah, Lundquist, big flopper. Who else? I, you know who... It, maybe he's not a flopper, but just his demeanor in net. Robin Lehner. Maybe because he was a senator too. I don't know what it is to me and the senators. <laughs> I know I don't like Matt Murray either. I don't mind Matt Murray. Nah. It's weird. There's a guy in the Dallas organization. His name's Matthew Murray. And he's a goalie. Is he good? He's actually, no, he's really good. That's why I'm, I get confused. I'm like, what? He's over there? Oh, no, no, he's just better than Matt Murray. But Matt Murray's a Stanley Cup champion, so you can't take that away from him. Um, Good time. Uh, this one I'm stealing from my uh, my good friend, J.P. O'Connor. Shout out to J.P. And I don't know where he got this because he doesn't have any hair. But he has been dropping the term hair cape when referencing Sammy Niku. And the more I think about it, it is a quality term. I know we get lettuce, right, when you talk about... Hockey player's hair. But hair cape, when it's nice, long, and smooth, like Chris Tanev, he's got the smooth hair. Pizzetta doesn't have a cape. Too many waves. 
but the hair cape is a quality sports term to describe somebody's hair. I just have to give a shout out to JP. It's my random sports thought. I just really like it. I like dropping it once a broadcast in Laval Rocket just for JP. Sean, my second one, I'm going to uh, stick with the um, embellishing theme. Mm -hmm. It drives me nuts because I see this all the time. People who say you can't have a penalty and an embellishment penalty. It's either a penalty or it's embellishment. It can't be both. I could not disagree more, and I hate that argument. I can be tripped, fall down, and make it look way worse than it was. Stop with the argument that it's either one or the other. You can 1,000% have somebody embellish, but it also be a penalty. The only... Okay, and I'm with you. I'm not going to argue. I'm going to stop. The only thing that doesn't happen in the NHL now is just the embellishment penalty. That's that's a, that's an issue when there is no penalty and then someone embellishes because even the guy that didn't do anything will get called for the hook or the trip because the guy made it look that way. I get you because you can have just a penalty and I, both happens, but the NHL needs to look into every now and then just call the embellishment. No, I'm with I'm with you there. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm but they don't do that. that. No. When was the last time you saw it. just embellishment? I've seen just embezzlement, but not embe <laughs> embellishment. Um, my third uh, random sports slot. I don't know if you're going to agree with me or not, because you might. I would take Andre Vasilevsky in a game seven over Patrick Waugh. Marty Berdur or Dominic Hasek in their prime. In a game seven situation, I would take Vasilevsky over those three greats when they were on top of their game. That's how good Vasilevsky's been in elimination games. And that's saying a lot because I know Mitch, I know what you think of Hasek, I know what you think of Mar uh, Patrick Wall, I know you hate goalies, but I also know you know how good they were when they were the best. And we could throw Marty Berdur in there. But Vasilevsky in elimination games of game sevens, I think I'm taking him over them when they were at their best. This is almost more like a hot take than it is a random sports thought. And Sean, I'll tell you, you cannot be more wrong. That's a ridiculous uh, statement for you to make. Is it really that ridiculous when in the it last is. seven elimination games, he's had 200 shots and he's let in one goal and he has six shutouts when the stakes are at its highest? Our last episode for clutch performers, for some reason, we didn't bring up Vasilevsky. With those numbers, he should be the first round pick. It's insane what he does when his team needs to win a series. Insane. Yeah, but it, there's, those are also some really good teams he's played on. Yes. I mean, if, if you put the 1999 version of Dominic Hasek who took the Buffalo Sabres, led by Miroslav Satan, Mike Pekka, and Schmelik, all the way to the cup Richard Schmelik. If you take that Dominic Hasek, that version of Hasek, and you put him on this Tampa Bay Lightning team, I don't even... I, I think, you know, you see the uh, last um, seven games, uh, Vasilevsky has only allowed one goal in uh, series clinchers. I think Hasek lets up zero. So, look, I don't want to... I don't want to... Uh, I don't wanna, say anything bad about Vasilevsky. He's obviously uh, the best goalie in the league right now. 
but to compare him to guys already in the Hall of Fame based on this small window that he's played well in clinching games, I think you're being a bit ridiculous. I don't think it's a small window. I think that's a pretty wide window because you could go back to 10 games and he's won every single one of those 10 games. And I, I'm i just saying that Vasilevsky, not the overall Vasilevsky that we see every day, but that's still a great Vasilevsky. And he has a lot to prove. He's so young. And maybe by the end of his career, we'll be able to say that. It is I think it's insane that I am saying this, but those numbers that he puts up, they're special. That's something special as a netminder with good teams in front of him, but he's still, he's still stopping everything, everything in in seven games. He's let in one goal. You just can't, you just can't beat that. Sean, my uh, final uh, random sports thought is older hockey fans and younger hockey fans see the game completely different and uh, i've seen this going around uh, on uh, on social media right uh, i saw i saw a tweet somebody put out a text message conversation that they had with their father who loves eric goodbranson <laughs> and uh, i know older hockey fans love goodbranson type of players i think goodbranson sucks like i i think he is brutal and i can't believe that calgary keeps putting him over the boards on the PK when McDavid and Drysaddle are running around. To me, it's 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 crazy. But hey, Sutter's an older hockey guy, right? I just think it, it, it's, it's interesting how the old guard and the new guard see the game so differently. And a guy like Eric Branson really highlights that point. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of players that, you know, you could have that old school player, but you need to have that new age game. Let's let's be honest, and I'm not comparison uh, comparing Good Branson to you know an example of a Headman, but Headman has old style game in him as a new age player. That's what makes him so great. And then you have the the little bit of a difference like a Kale McCarr, which is the complete new age of defensemen that the young generation love. And they'll say McCarr over. I get that. I would watch that a hundred times. But you you still need the old school style defense. But you just can't have straight up old school defense and it, and it's funny i watched the johnsons on colorado yeah and, and i by the way i think they're both better than good branson but there's a little bit of that old school mentality on them and then you get to josh manson which they picked up he's got that old school but he's got that new age ability to skate and move the puck so i'm with you that people get caught up in it old norms oh you need that big defense Perenko, perfect example big bruising defenseman, but he could do other things. You can't just do that one thing anymore. And we saw it with Ben Chirot with the Canadians, big bruising defenseman, but he was able to bring skating and, 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 and a little offense to his game when he played with the Canadians. And I think the Panthers were hoping to get that. I wore this for you, Mitch, by the way, I know that's the end of random sports thoughts, but I wore this for you because we do our picks online and I, I'd like to uh, finish the show, you know, talking a little bit about our picks and we'll put our third round picks. And you had Tampa Bay. And just the day of game one, with Braden Point being out, being hurt, you made that switch. Take me through your thought process of switching, Mitch, and then watching this series unfold. Look, man, I just, you got to follow your gut. And um, I shit on the Florida Panthers and the Calgary Flames all year. And then we're in the second round of the playoffs, and I pick Calgary and Florida to win their series. I'm I'm an idiot. <laughs> that, that, that's that's what I was thinking 
watching uh, the series between the two teams play. I am an idiot. Uh, that I'm watching Tampa Bay, and I, I stuck with Tampa Bay, but I thought point that was going to make a difference. I think this is a devastating playoff loss for the Florida Panthers. And I know that you were tweeting about the comparisons to Toronto and Florida. Losing to your state rival for second year in a row, but worse with a sweep after all the changes you made going to win the President's Trophy. I think that Florida will have that knee-jerk reaction with something this offseason. Well, look, uh, you don't have Sherratt coming back. You don't have Giroux coming back. You don't have um, a first-round pick for three years. It's going to be tough in uh, in Florida. They still have a talented group. To me, Sean, uh, that uh, reaction that you're talking about, maybe it's the coach. Maybe they need their old coach back. <laughs> yeah, I think they could definitely use their old coach back. All right, that's it for us here on the Post Game Pines Podcast. Mitch, remind everybody what's happening at LeBros uh, this Saturday. It uh, is the launch of what? Uh, the Post Game Pines beer. So uh, mm. come by LeBros. I'll be there on uh, Saturday afternoon. And even if I'm not there, buy some of those uh, delicious beers. You will not be disappointed. And uh, if you're listening online, uh, make sure to click listen and subscribe. We love your commentary. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the Post Game Pines Podcast.